we start a brand new series today called 15 Minutes of Christmas. And today I want to talk to you about pain. Anybody knows what it feels like to be in pain? You've ever felt pain, right? So uh, back in 2002, uh, I was on the soccer field and somebody decided to stamp on my ankle and the whole soccer field heard this and it was my bone that was breaking. And uh, up to that point, that was the most excruciating pain I've ever experienced in my life. Um, until 2012, when we were actually moving into this building, we had a turn of work that we were trying to do. And one morning I woke up and I had a pain in my back. And I ended up in the emergency room with a kidney stone. And uh, let me tell you, that was the most excruciating pain I've ever experienced in my life. Even some say it's close to childbirth. So ladies, I understand mine lasted for about two, two hours. Yours lasted about 18 hours. But what's a, an hour here or there? You know, I kind of feel your pain. Uh, But uh, and that's been the most pain I've ever been in in my entire life. Well, last Saturday, my wife treated me to a trip to a store that uh, I really don't enjoy being in, and it's a store called Michaels. You don't see many guys in the store Michaels at all, full of like ladies with their crafty stuff and and everything. So, well, we're in there, and I'm like, oh, can we just leave? Uh, and, And and she's looking at all these different papers. And uh, she's got this craft paper. Some of it's more like cardstock paper. And she's trying to do something with it. And she's trying to do like a craft. And uh, she's, she's looking at it. And she's about to take it. Then she says, you know, this isn't going to go with what I want to do. So she puts it back on the shelf where she got all this paper. Well, one of the, the papers gave her a little paper cut. And uh, aren't they the worst paper cuts? Uh, paper cuts are terrible because they, uh, you know, they, they, you don't think they should hurt you. But they actually do. And they start to bleed. And it's, uh, and it's horrible. And uh, and, and so as she had this paper cut, I, I got the paper and I said to her, um, I, I, I said, uh, I'll, I'll take the paper and I'll put it back on, on, the, uh, on the shelf. And so as I put it back on the shelf, about six pieces of the cardstock decided to cut right through my hand. So we had both had paper cuts. And I like laid out this like, ah! And, 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 and as I looked at my hand, like there was this big opening and the blood just started to gush out. And... Yeah, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm trying not to freak out. And suddenly, like, I'm like sucking on my hands like a vampire sucking blood. You know, trying to get rid of it, and blood just tastes nasty as it is. I mean, even if it's your own. Uh, and, and and so uh, I'm like, well, let's get out of here. So we we got out of there. And uh, the great thing about having a toddler in the house is there's always a diaper bag in the car. And so uh, there was uh, some like wipes in there. So so I wiped the blood off, but the blood keeps coming back and black. And uh, I'm thinking my finger's gonna fall off, you know, and because kind of I exaggerate that stuff and my wife laughs at me. But so I'm wiping the blood off, then I'm wrapping it with uh, with the uh, uh, with the wipe. And and, and we get in the car and we're about to drive home. And all I want is a Band-Aid because all I know is if I can put a Band-Aid on this cut, I won't have to see the blood anymore. And I could take away the the, the thought of the pain and be able to concentrate on something else. So on the way home, I'm like, let's stop by CVS and and get a Band-Aid. And my wife's like, no, we got Band-Aids at home. I'm like, no, the only Band-Aids we got at home are kids' Band-Aids with Paw Patrol on it. And if you don't know what Paw Patrol is, then what next? Nick, Nick Jr. for a while, uh, and, and, and they're the worst band-aids because you put them on and they just fall right off. 
And she says, no, 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 honestly, I went and bought other Band-Aids. And I'm like, I hope you're right, because I'm not, that Paw Patrol one isn't going to work for me. And really what I was hoping, I was hoping for one of those great Band-Aids that just molds to your hand, that they can get wet and they don't move at all. Like when you eventually take them off, they don't peel the, the hair off your skin and all that sort of stuff. So I get home and she's got some pretty good Band-Aids. Uh, and, and so I put the Band-Aid on, didn't think anything of it, got up the next morning. And as I was getting in the shower, I realized I needed to take the Band-Aid band-aid off so as I took the band-aid off and then I started going my, by my day without putting the band-aid back on and what happened and I kept knocking it because that's what happens when you get a cut right you keep knocking it and knocking it and and it and throughout the day it opened up and it started to bleed again and all I wanted was a band-aid just to cover the pain cover the wound and so it didn't bleed anymore and it reminded me of so much of our lives so many of you You're in pain in your life, and all you want is a Band-Aid. Some of you, you've got wounds in your life, and all you're looking for is a Band-Aid. And this Christmas, while some people are wishing for grand things, all you want for Christmas is a Band-Aid. And so if that's you today, on your chair, there is a Christmas Band-Aid for you. Well, some have got Rudolph on, some have got Elf on the Shelf on, but this is for you. On December 25th, on the morning, you can wake up and you can open this Band-Aid and you can put this Band-Aid on your heart or your soul or your wounds of your life uh, because some of you, all you want in life is a Band-Aid to cover up the pain of what's going on in your life. See, when we were kids, so, were, so many of us, we hoped for short-term pleasures. Uh, when, when December rolled around, we wanted that toy, we wanted that bike, uh, and we just realized if we could get that one thing in life, it would be life-changing. If I could just get that bike for Christmas, it would be life-changing. But as we grow into adults, those things that we hope for, they, they tend to get a little bit more meaning than just a toy or a bike. Now some of us, we're, we're hoping for love for Christmas, or some of us, we're hoping for stability in life for Christmas. Others are hoping for some financial freedom for Christmas. And, and, and we realize if, or we think, if we just get that, then life's going to be a lot more full, life's going to be a lot more easier. See, last week, my, my wife asked me, what do you want for Christmas? And I replied by saying, nothing. I don't want anything for Christmas because I couldn't think of anything material that I wanted for Christmas. But really, I kind of lied to her because I do want something for Christmas. And there are some things I want for Christmas, but money can't buy the things I want for Christmas. You can't wrap them in a gift, the things that I want for Christmas. And, and, and so all of us, we want something for Christmas. And it is our hopes that drive us on. Our hopes are our motivator for going forward. So take kids, for example. December, they are motivated to be better behaved than what they are normally during the rest of the year because they have a hope that if I am well behaved, I will get more presents under the Christmas tree. That's what they hope for. Maybe you are looking for love this Christmas and you're hoping for love so that your motivator is love. So maybe you open your heart to some people trying to find love. 
Maybe some of you, you, you're wanting financial freedom this Christmas. And so the, the motivator is financial freedom. And so what you'll do to get to there is maybe be a little bit more sensible, budget a little better this Christmas. Or so some of you, you, you you're, you're looking for reconciliation, whether in a marriage or in a relationships, and, and you will start to be more gracious towards other people because the, the hope of what you may get is the motivator. And, and the word hope means to have a feeling of expectation for a certain thing to happen. So to hope means you're expecting something to happen. And throughout the years, so many of my feelings of hope have been able to drive me on, even in hard times and, and down times. See, without hope, the future is bleak. But with hope, there is a great sense of expectation. The problem with a lot of our expectations, though, is that they make us curious. And while hoping is healthy for us, curiosity killed the cat, right? Hoping is healthy, but curiosity killed the cat. And there's a story in Greek mythology that I I want to share with you that talks about this curiosity and and the hope that comes uh, from this story. Now, let me just give a preface. I'm talking about Greek mythology. doesn't mean I believe in Greek mythology. They talk about lots of gods here at Generation Church. We believe in one God, uh, but the story is a great story for what we're talking about today. And the story goes like this. In ancient Greece, there were two brothers named Epimetheus and Prometheus. They upset the gods and annoyed the most powerful god of all, and that was Zeus. This was not the first time that humans had upset Zeus. And once before, as a punishment, Zeus had taken from humans the ability to make fire. So nobody could make fire. Now think about this. If you can't make fire, then you can't make food because you can't cook meat. Uh, You can't boil vegetables. You can't keep warm without fire. However, Prometheus was clever, and he knew that on the Isle of Lemnos, there was a blacksmith who lived there, who before Zeus had taken away the ability for humans to create fire, he had a fire that he just kept going himself. And so this fire burned, and he kept it hot so he could burn his iron in the fire. Prometheus traveled to Lemnos and then he stole fire from the blacksmith. Zeus was so furious uh, that he decided that humans must be punished once and for all for their lack of respect to the gods. So Zeus came up with this very cunning plan to punish the two brothers. With the help of the blacksmith, he created a woman from clay. The goddess Athene breathed life into the clay. Other gods helped form the 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 the, the woman out of clay. Her means taught her, uh, who was a god, taught her how to be both charming and deceitful. And Zeus called her Pandora. He sent her as a gift to Epimetheus. 
His brother Prometheus had warned him not to accept any gifts from the gods. But Epimetheus was completely charmed by the woman and thought Pandora was so beautiful that she could never cause any harm. So he agreed to marry her. See, that's what guys do. We just look in the eyes of a woman like, ah, she's beautiful. Zeus was so pleased that his trap was working. He gave Pandora a wedding gift, which was a beautiful box. There was one very, very important condition, though. And this was the condition. That she must never open the box. But Pandora was curious about the contents of the box. That she had promised that she would never open. All she could do was think about what's in the box, what's in the box. She could not understand why somebody would send her a box if she could not see what was in it. It seemed to make no sense to her at all. She could think of nothing else opening the box and unlocking its secrets. And this was just as Zeus had planned. Finally, Pandora could stand it no longer. When she knew that Epimetheus was out of sight, she crept up to the box. She took a huge key off a high shelf, fitted it carefully into the lock and turned it. But at the last moment, she felt this pang of guilt, imagining how angry her husband would be uh, and so she, so she quickly closed and locked the box. Three more times she did this. At last she knew she had to look inside the box. Otherwise she would go completely mad not knowing what was in the box. So she took the key. She slid the key into the lock. Turned it. She took a deep breath. Closed her eyes. And slowly lifted the lid of the box. She opened her eyes and looked into the box, expecting to see fine silks, gowns and gold bracelets and necklaces and even piles of gold coins. But there was no gleam of gold or treasure. There were no shining bracelets or one beautiful dress at all. The look of excitement on her face quickly turned to one of disappointment and then horror. For Zeus had packed the box full of all the terrible evils he could think of. Out of the box poured disease and poverty. Out came misery. Out came death. Out came sadness. All shaped like tiny buzzing moths. I hate moths, don't you? The creature stung Pandora over and over again and she slammed the lid shut. Epimetheus ran into the room to see why she was crying in pain. Pandora could still hear a voice calling to her from the box, pleading with her to let it out. So Epimetheus agreed that nothing inside the box could be worse than all the evil that had been let out of the box. And so... He opened the lid once more and they looked into the box and all that remained in the box was hope. It fluttered from the box like a beautiful dragonfly touching the wounds on Pandora that was created by the evil creatures and healing the wounds. Even though Pandora had released pain and suffering upon the world, she still also allowed hope to follow them. And this story reminds us of so many of us. We are like Pandora. 
We live curious in this life, wanting more, wanting this and wanting that. We, we see what we don't have and we want it. But the problem is our curiosity and eagerness for immediate pleasure often gets us into trouble. See, some of us, we've opened the Pandora box of our life. We've done things we've regretted. We've made mistakes. We've taken a wrong turn along the way. And life has become more complicated and difficult than what we could ever imagine. And now we live in hope for a better life, maybe. We, we see like Pandora that hope is the answer, that hope heals the wounds. See, Proverbs ten twenty eight tells us, The hopes of the godly result in happiness, but the expectations of the wicked come to nothing. But the problem for so many of us is we don't know where hope is. We, we want hope in life, but we don't know where hope is. And we are told in the book of Matthew that hope has a name. And in Matthew chapter 12 and verses 18 to 21, uh, this, is a, uh, this is a quote from the prophet Isaiah. And it says this, look at my servant whom I have chosen, says God. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious. And then it says this, and his name will be the hope of all the world. His name will be the hope of all the world. So we know that there is something out there that is called hope. And from this, we know the characteristics of hope, which, which is this. Hope heals. Hope brings justice. Hope does not bring conflict or get angry. Hope lifts up the weak in, instead of crushes the weak. Hope is victorious. So I ask you today, in your world right now, do you see a need for hope? Do you need hope in your life right now? Maybe some of you, you need hope in your marriage. Others, you need hope in raising your kids. Some of you, your financial situation is so dire, you need hope in your finances. Others, you need hope in your career. Or there may be some here today, there's broken relationships in, in your life and you need hope in healing those broken relationships. Some of you, 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 you may be suffering or, or you know people who are suffering injustice and you need hope because of that injustice. See, I see our younger generation and our kids over in our kids building and, and I look at them and, and I see a whole lot less hope that they have than what our generation had. Did you know they will be the first generation that will grow up that will not be as wealthy as their parents? They're, they're a generation that will grow up without the hope of social security. Because by the time that they come to retirement, there's probably going to be no social security left at all. And I remember us growing up, we had grand expectations. I grew up expecting to be the greatest soccer player England had ever known. But now I see this generation coming up and there's little hope. They've seen their parents go through foreclosures and financial crisis and broken marriages and broken homes. They've seen the issues of life. 
that they, they, they live in a world where it changes all the time, that the world has changed and become unstable day after day. And one of the main reasons for their loss of hope is because we stopped looking into the box for hope. And instead, we started to chase out all that has come out of the box. We stopped letting hope heal us because many have turned their backs on the source of hope. So if we know that hope has a name, then where does hope come from? Well, Paul tells us in Romans chapter, 13, uh, chapter 15, verse 13, he says this, I pray that God, the source of hope. So he's saying God is the source of hope. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Pandora understood that hope heals. And so if hope heals, wouldn't you want to be overflowing with hope? Wouldn't you want hope to put like a barricade around you? So it's like a healing balm around you. See, many of us, we need healing. We need healing in our lives. Many of you, you may need healing from disease. We know we've had people in our church who have gone through terrible diseases and sickness. And they've needed healing for that disease. Some of you, you need healing from your pain. You need healing from your past and your mistakes and your regrets. Some of you, you may need healing from an abusive background. Or healing from your own wrongdoings. Some of you, you have a tendency to chase after curiosity and it's just got you into trouble. And it's left these wounds that are bleeding in your life and you need healing from those and what so many of us do we take a band-aid and we try to put a band-aid on them so that they don't hurt anymore so the pain doesn't hurt anymore but a band-aid doesn't last very long and the band-aid doesn't bring healing see in Romans Paul is saying that God is the source of hope it is in him we have hope And it is hope that fills you again and again. And this hope is created when you trust in God. And when this happens, you start to make room for the Holy Spirit in your life. And the Bible tells us that once that happens, the the Holy Spirit overflows your life with hope. It's like it seeps, hope seeps out of you. It overflows from you. See, life is beautiful and full with hope. But without hope, life is miserable and painful. See, Christmas loses its magic when we stop hoping. I remember the first Christmas that I woke up and I wasn't excited to get up and wonder what Santa had brought me under the Christmas tree. I remember not feeling that excitement of, whoa, what did I get? What did I get? Now I'm thankful that I can wake up and I can be excited to see my son. What did he get? What did he get? Is he getting excited what he got? But without that hope, Christmas loses its magic a little. And for little kids, their hope for Christmas is what they might receive under the Christmas tree. But I ask you today, what are you expecting from hope this Christmas? What are you hoping for This Christmas, what are you trusting in God in your life for this Christmas? 
See, we know hope has a name. We know that God is the source of hope. But really, what is hope? What is the hope that God gives? We're told of what it is in Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, start verse 11. It says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. We are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward to the hope, to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. What Paul is talking to Titus here is talking about something that in the Christian world it's called the glorious hope. And this glorious hope is twofold. It is a hope that is now and it is a hope that will happen in the future. The hope that is now is the grace of God to bring salvation. This hope is the hope that heals the wounds that our sin inflicts on us. It's the hope that soothes the pain of our our past and our regrets. Then we have a hope for the future and that is the expectation for the future that Jesus who came as a little baby to a little town called Bethlehem, he lay in a manger to come and bring good news to all people that the hope is this, that he will come back again, this time showing his glory, bringing healing to the nations So that one day there will be no more pain, no more hardship, no more bleeding, no more scars, no more wounds, no more broken relationships. It is this hope that we cling to. It is this hope that when we put our trust in God, then that hope will overflow from our lives. It's that hope that will save us from the evils of what comes out of Pandora's box. So this Christmas, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? Let me ask you, does your hope that you are hoping for bring healing into your life? Maybe your hope doesn't. Maybe your hope is like a band-aid kind of hope. That we put on just to hide the bleeding, but really doesn't do anything to bring healing to our lives. And maybe you want something this Christmas and you're, you're looking for something this Christmas just uh, so, so that the pain can go away of life. Maybe you've had a tough year or a good year. Maybe uh, you, you, you've gone through some hardships or you've gone through a lot of joys in this life. But you're looking for just a band-aid this Christmas. And if you're looking for just a band-aid this Christmas, this is the problem. When you look for hope that it, when God is not the source, it lasts for just 15 minutes. You have 15 minutes of hope and it gets you energized for a little bit, but it quickly fades away. However, when you put your hope in the glorious hope of Jesus, then it overflows from your life and you become like Pandora and you realize that hope heals. And so this Christmas season, whether it's going to be a season of joy or sorrow for you, whether it will be a season of pain or healing for you, whether it's a season of goodwill or tensions for you, it doesn't matter because you know you have hope in Jesus and Jesus is who he said he is. 
He is the Savior of the world. He's come to bring joy and peace to this world. And He's come to bring healing to your pain and to your wounds. As we close today, I want to close with one more scripture. It's found in the book of Micah. Micah is known as a minor prophet. And the only reason he's known as a minor prophet is because what he wrote was a little smaller than some of the other prophets. But his message was strong and he wrote of a prophecy of the coming Messiah. And he said this in Micah chapter 5 verse 2. He says, but you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman is in labor who is in labor gives birth. Then at last his countrymen will return from exile to their own land. And he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength. In the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed. For he will be highly honored around the world. And he will be the source of peace. This person that Micah prophesied, his name is Jesus. See, Jesus is the name of hope. See, God is the source of hope. And he gave Jesus who became hope for the world. And and no matter what you're going through in your life and where you are in your life right now, you can rest assured that the hope of the world, Jesus Christ, is right here, right beside you, walking alongside you. And he is like a little dragonfly who's coming fluttering around and he's healing your wounds and, and, and he's stopping the bleeding that sin in this world can bring upon us. He's come to bring peace and hope and joy and love. And he is available to you today. So who are you hoping in today? If you hope in Jesus, you won't have 15 minutes of hope. You'll have an eternity of hope.